Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to share a message about Easter. And it's kind of a funny Sunday in this regard because every Sunday at Vivid Church is kind of like Easter Sunday. In fact, I go further. Every day on a calendar year is kind of like Easter. Easter ultimately is a moment in time to stop and recognize that Jesus not only went to the cross for our sins, but he conquered death and he conquered the grave and he rose again and he's still alive and he's still active and he's still seated on the throne and he's still fulfilling all his promises. And so Easter is so exciting for so many reasons culturally But as someone who believes in the Jesus that's written about in the Bible, it's always Resurrection Day. It's always a day to celebrate that Jesus is alive. One of the things that that just takes place in in Easter history is, is this little statement that would be true every day, but often from the stage or the platform or in interpersonal connection, someone might say he is risen, which is speaking to the fact that Jesus is no longer on a cross, nor is he any longer in a tomb. He is alive. And then the response would be, he's risen indeed. Like, yup, you got it. And so why don't we try that together, even though it's just via chat right now. I'm going to say he is risen. And then in the chat, you can just uh, shout out that he's risen indeed. And if you're in a room with people, say it to them as well. Ready? He's risen. Some of you are really fast typers. Amazing. Some of you are just deciding right now, do I go all caps? Because I want to show that kind of excitement, that level of real commitment. Go all caps. This This is worth going all caps for. Ready? Let's do it one more time. He's risen. He's risen indeed. It's true. Jesus is alive. It gives us every reason to celebrate this Easter that Jesus is still on the throne. He's still alive. In fact, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and and next June and this coming August and in 2025 and on and on it goes, Jesus is still alive. He's still risen. He's still overcome death and he's still overcome the grave. For this very reason, the the narrative written in in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John that Jesus, though he lived a perfect life, went to a cross and he died a sinner's death so that we were no longer subject to to take the punishment for our sin. And then not only did he do that, but he, he rose again and said, guys, you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. You don't have to be afraid of this end game that leads you perpetually in the way that seems right to a man but leads to death, you can actually find forgiveness, wholeness, and hope in Jesus. Do you know, you and I, we can make this decision, the Bible says, by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then we're saved. And now we're walking in relationship with Jesus, an eternal, ongoing relationship. That gets me pretty excited. I think if you were to come to Vivid uh, for an entire year, like for 52 weeks. In fact, I, I just want to throw out that challenge right now. Just come every week. It'd be amazing to have you every single week connect with uh, the messages, connect with the worship time. And uh, as we look forward to gathering again in community to connect with people uh, person to person, would love for you to challenge you on that. But there won't be a week in those 52 where we don't pause and remember this very thing that Jesus died for sinners just like us. And then he rose from the dead and made a statement for all eternity that we too can live a resurrected life. That's going to happen every single week. 
So as I prepared today to speak, part of me is feeling like I got to make sure that I tell this specific story, the story of Jesus on the cross, the tomb, and then resurrecting. But then this other part of me has, has this real strong sense. We're always talking about that. And so today I actually want to speak on a, a really specific topic, okay? It's Easter Sunday. I know you might have come to church with one expectation and I'm just about to shift that. But I want to speak specifically on what Easter does in defeating disappointment. Today, I, I, I just want to make the case for you that what Jesus did on the cross, in the tomb, and now as he sits at the right hand of the Father is the blueprint for us to defeat disappointment in our life. Have you ever been disappointed? Come on, anyone, you've ever been discouraged? Have you ever felt like you had an expectation and then things didn't go the way you wanted to go? In fact, let me make it more like current. Right now, are you disappointed about something? I am. Anything that you were hoping would be different than it's played out? I got a few. Do you have any, any area of your life right now that if you could, if you had the ability to, you would go and switch a few things and change some things around so that it looked different, maybe in your business life, maybe relationally, maybe just in your own internal mental health, perhaps in the place you're fitting in society, whatever it might be, you'd say, if I could change it, I would, but I'm just kind of disappointed with the way this is playing out. I believe for you and I, Easter is this blueprint for the way that our disappointment can be defeated. So the first thing that I want to say is that if you're feeling disappointed, there is some redemptive reasons that you'd be feeling that. The first reason is you dared to set a great expectation. I just want to commend you and thank you. You dared to set a great expectation in the same way the disciples who were following Jesus for the better part of three years, they dared to set a really high expectation. As they, moment by moment, and interaction by interaction, and sermon by sermon, and miracle by miracle, they began to see Jesus for who he really was. And one by one, they came to this conclusion, Jesus is the Messiah. There's no one else like him. And there never has been. He's the one we've been waiting for. Jesus is the, the culmination of all humanity's hopes. And the more they were with Jesus, the higher their expectations got. So much so that some like James and John were constantly saying, hey, Jesus, hey, just quick question, who's the greatest? This is why we need to know. Because when you become a king and, uh, and you're seated on the throne, where's my position going to be in comparison to you? Could I be on your right hand? And then the other brother's like, hey, if he's on the right hand, I get left hand. I'm calling dibs. I'm calling shotgun right now. And they had this expectation that continued to grow. Like Jesus is different than anyone we've ever met. And he is going to rise in prominence to a place where he sits on a throne and he dominates. They set an expectation. The same is true of you. If you've experienced disappointment, it's because you chose to expect greatness. I want to commend you. You know, a lot of people have a hard time having hope. A lot of people have a hard time setting an expectation high. A lot of people have bought into a lie that if you never want anything, life just gets easier. Just lower your expectations until nothing can disappoint you. But not you. No, not you. You have chosen to believe for something great in your life. The second thing I want to commend you is that you have actually experienced. You see, you can't feel disappointment unless you have both expectation and experience. 
You've actually been present in the moment. You've lived this thing. You're in the midst of this thing right now. In the very same manner, the disciples, they had this huge expectation, probably even on the night where they sat down and they shared communion, they were thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. Jesus is talking about, about new covenants and he's talking about all the things that he'll do. We're on our way to Jerusalem and something big's about to happen. He just keeps saying like big things are coming. They had this huge expectation and then they experienced the heartbreak and the disappointment that would follow of things not playing out the way they expected. I mean, it was Peter who during that meal, Jesus said, hey, Peter, I just want want you to know today before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And and, and like morning will come and sometime tonight, you're going to deny that we're even friends. And Peter goes, no, Jesus, I have huge expectations for myself. I'd never do that. I will stand with you to the end. And sure enough, Peter in the moment, experienced anxieties and fears and he fell short and he denied just as Jesus said that he would. But I want to commend you. You haven't chosen to escape. You haven't chosen just to sit back and watch life pass you by. You're in it and you're experiencing it and you're feeling it. And think of that. These disciples one by one, Peter and James and Andrew and Nathaniel and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and one by one, they're like just backing into the distance as Jesus is taking on this unfair, unjust punishment. You know, a trumped up charge against him and a, a, a kangaroo court of sorts that, that called him guilty and then took him to a higher court and pled with the officials, let us crucify him and let us get it done right now before our Passover. It has to happen right now. And one by one, they all kind of backed away And they thought, this isn't what we signed up for. This is not the thing that we were expecting to take place. I thought Jesus was going to be a king, not killed like a criminal. But I want to commend you. You're experiencing some things. You're present. You're in the moment. And and without those two things, expectation and experience, disappointment would actually be impossible. You see, disappointment is the gap in between our expectation and our experience. When you expect greatness and you experience anything less, that gap in between is what we call disappointment. Maybe you had bigger plans for 2020 and you got into 2020, January, you had these huge expectations. This is the year. This is the year. I'm going to graduate and I'm going on this big trip to celebrate and then I'm going to land the job that I want and I'm hoping my relationships will just grow closer and closer with friends or with that significant person and and then our experience of 2020 was so so far short. You graduated, but it was online and the trip had to get canceled and the job didn't pan out. I mean, Serb maybe saw you through. Relationally, you don't feel like you're growing any closer. You tried for a while over Zoom to do game nights, but charades over Zoom just can only last so long. And, and now you're feeling more isolated than you did before and maybe a little more unsure than you ever have before. And there's this this gap, this gap called disappointment. I've I've found for many people in the last few weeks as it's now hit that calendar year and beyond of being in a new sort of now normal, that the levels of disappointment are through the roof. Because even the, the, even like the broadest thinker was thinking for sure within a year, we'll be back to normal. And then our experience is just falling short of that. But I want to commend you that you haven't stopped believing and you haven't stopped being present. 
In fact, I want to challenge you. Don't stop believing and don't stop being present. Maybe even in your spiritual life, you feel like I've had bigger expectations for myself. I thought by now that, that I would be stronger in my convictions. I thought by now I'd be more refined in my giftings. I thought by now I'd have more opportunity to make a difference and then hear my experiences and I'm falling short of where I want to be. I just want to commend you. Don't stop believing. Don't stop being present. Even if that gap might exist. You know, for the disciples, it was like a three-day turnaround. Those days in between a Friday crucifixion and a Sunday resurrection. Day one, day two, day three. And in that, that gap, they experienced probably some of the most horrific disappointment that anyone's ever walked through. Unless, of course, they've walked through disappointments like you've faced or like I've faced, because as we're experiencing them, they're pretty disappointing and pretty, pretty crushing, aren't they? And in that time, they had to reevaluate who are we and did we expect the wrong things? For so many, it's in those times that they say, here's what I will do to make sure I never feel this way again. I will make this decision now to not hope for anything. I'll make this decision right now just to lower my expectations on everything. I've been hurt before, so I will just believe all people will hurt me. I've been let down before, so I will just believe no situation is actually truly good. I've wanted to succeed before and fallen short, and so I will just make this decision. I will never be a success. For other people, they make the determination, how will I defeat this Disappointment, well, I'll just stop being present. I will disengage. I will back off. Relationships have disappointed me. I'll just back right off and not care at all anymore. I'll just not be present. You know, I wanted to see more peace in more breakthrough in my family life and it's just not coming. And so guess what? I'll just stop caring. I'll just completely disengage. I've wanted to see church become this vibrant revival and it's been disappointing to not experience that. So I'll just stop caring. I'll just be kind of a passive onlooker. I guess for each of the disciples, they had to make that determination. And for you and I, each of us, we need to make that determination in the midst of disappointment. Do, do I stop believing or do I stop experiencing? How do I defeat disappointment? Well, Jesus, I think he kind of lays out for us this different way of, of looking. You see, he, he made hints all throughout his ministry that this was coming. And even though he was saying it, they didn't know until they really experienced it. When he said, hey guys, just so you know, I'm going to Jerusalem. I will be rejected there. They will kill me, but, but don't worry. There's a hope and there's a future. When, when he was saying those things, they were going like, oh yeah, 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 Jesus, totally, totally. I get it. You're speaking metaphorical and poetic. I, I get where you're going with this. And then in retrospect, they looked back and said, oh, Jesus was always kind of giving us a hint. Let me show you real quickly in the book of Ephesians, if you turn there with me. With, with the cross as our backdrop, with the empty tomb as our backdrop, let me look at the, the promise that the Apostle Paul lays out in the book of Ephesians. And uh, when you get there, you can go to Ephesians chapter 3. As he's speaking to people in a disappointed state, the Bible says this, for this very reason. What reason? Uh, the reason that they had become discouraged. This is Ephesians 3 and 14. He says, for this reason, in your discouragement, I want, I want to kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
And I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, that you may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask for or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Here Paul says, in the midst of your discouragement, I'm just praying for you and believing that God would give you the power to hold on, that he'd give you the power to grasp and to hold on to love. He goes, I want to see you rooted and established in love. Rooted means to be grounded. Established means to be settled. Vivid Church, I want, I'm telling you right now, this Easter Sunday, I'm reminded, we are rooted and established in the love of God. We stand in the shadow of the cross. We stand at the doorway of an empty tomb, no longer occupied by Jesus' body because he's risen He is risen indeed. We serve a risen Savior who's alive and well. And for this reason, even if you're feeling disappointment, even if you're walking through a discouraging season right now, I am praying that God would give you the power to grasp his love, that he'd give you the power to understand and to know his love. What am I believing? I'm believing that your expectations would continue to be high. May they be higher than they've ever been before. And you're like, well, Pastor Justin, Like These days are going worse than they've ever gone before. Don't let your experience inform your expectations. Let the promises of God remain rooted and established in love. He said not only that you'd grasp this love, but that you'd be able to know a love that surpasses knowledge. This word no means to experience it. Paul says, guys, I'm believing that your expectations would be high and that your experience over time would come to meet those expectations. And then he says this to want the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask for or imagine according to his power to him be glory in the church. How long? Forever. What Paul is saying is this, that if, if we make the choice, we can actually see our expectations met and exceeded if we would choose to extend our expectations. Here's what I mean. We have a choice to make in disappointment. Will I extend my expectation or will I extend my experience? Will I extend my expectation that God really is on the throne, that he truly is above all, that he really is on my side, that he really is working all things together for good, or will I extend the experience that I'm walking through right now and say it's never gonna get better? I'm telling you, if we can extend our expectation and keep on holding on and keep keep on grasping to the love of God, we will see our experience not only meet our expectation, but the Bible promises that it will exceed our expectation. Let me show you just in a really little microcosm how this played out. In fact, I, I think it's no, no joke and no surprise that John would end his gospel this way. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John. Turn to the book of John chapter 21. Somebody you're watching, you're saying, I thought we were going to talk strictly about the cross and the tomb. I thought we'd look strictly at like Mary Magdalene's experience in the garden. It's a great experience. You can find it in John 20. I thought we were going to talk specifically about John and Peter running to the tomb and uh, and John who said he ran faster, but then Peter got there and went in first. I thought that would be the story. Great story. It's also in John 20. 
But after John 20, John 21 comes. And this specific story is like this microcosm of defeating disappointment. Check this out. John 21 says this. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going fishing, said Simon Peter. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. Well, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, hey, Pete, that's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this and heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. He jumped into the water and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. He dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish, 153. You can tell this was written by a fisherman. There's no way he's not going to include how big of a catch it was. This is not just a fisherman's tale. This is an accurate description. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him who he was because they knew it was the Lord. We could go on and on. The story is so incredible, but, but let me just point out a couple of things that you see playing out here. See, for Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John and these two others, these seven disciples, they had experienced the high highs of great expectations, the low lows of unmet expectations, the, the vacuous gap of disappointment that existed. And in the days to follow, they had seen Jesus, They'd experienced Jesus, but they were still living in this mist of disappointment, unsure what to do. They returned to fishing. I've heard sermons critiquing their decision to, to fish. I've heard other sermons applauding their work ethic that at least they stayed busy. That's not what this message is about. But here's what it is about. That whole night, they went out with the expectation to catch something. Are you following? Their expectation, they, they dared to set again, and their experience was far short. They did not catch a thing. They expected success. They experienced failure. Does it sound like you right now? It sounds a little bit like me right now. They, they continued to expect and they continued to experience. Jesus enters into the scene at their lowest low. The, the night has ended. The most prime time to fish has ended. They have completely failed to catch a single thing. And Jesus speaks into their discouragement. He speaks into their disappointment and, and he just...